Welcome to the Faith Today podcast. I'm Bill Fladeris. And I'm Karen Stiller. Today, we're going to have an interview that I conducted with Val Lesky, who is the founder and managing artistic director of Fire Exit Theater in Calgary. And she also teaches theater at Ambrose University. We had a great chat about the importance of storytelling and the need for Christians in the arts. Oh, that's cool. So did you just talk about theater or is it good? Does it go beyond theater? I think beyond that. Yeah. One of the things that Val talked about is trying to acknowledge that maybe in some sectors of the church, we have more value or we would be more inclined to send our kids to say to a business program where they would be more guaranteed of having a, a, a financially rewarding career. And we might have hesitation about letting our kids major in something like in some kind of fine art, whether it's theater or something else. And she challenged that. And she said, if you want to think about what's influential in our world, look at how much time people spend watching television these days or Netflix or whatever. People spend hours and hours and hours of their life doing that, whereas the amount of time they spend in church is way less. So she said, instead of training more pastors, and she loves pastors, she's a pastor herself. She said, let's train more people that are involved in the entertainment industry because that's where we can reach people. So interesting wow. take on uh, priorities. Okay, I will be interested to hear because I confess that when I hear that set up about like business school versus theater, I might be <laughs> in, the, in the sort of uh, getting in trouble with Val camp. So I will uh, look forward to hearing this conversation. As a guest today, we have with us Val Lesky, who is the founder and managing artistic director of Fire Exit Theater in Calgary and also associate director of theater at Ambrose University. Welcome, Val. We're glad you're here. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this. Let's jump right in. I saw a letter that you wrote in the summer of 2021, a sort of an open letter to Christian universities that basically says... If we are concerned about the Christian impact on society, we should focus on training more artistic storytellers. Yeah, it's good to train business students and worship leaders and even preachers, but we need more storytellers. So tell me why you said that. What's, what's so important about storytellers? Well, I'm going to go to some hard data. Over COVID, in the last, in the first three months of COVID, in our lockdowns, Netflix alone uh, got 26 million new subscribers. So Yikes. they currently have about almost 223 million subscribers of just Netflix. Of those subscribers, uh, of which I am one, we consume on average six billion hours of content a month. That's a B every month. And that's just Netflix. That's not Hulu or Peacock or HBO or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus. So it doesn't matter that we're in a world pandemic or what the price of oil is or what inflation is at. We are addicted to story in North America. I, I can't speak for other parts of the world, but here in North America, we are consuming huge amounts of story just online, let alone all the advertisements, music videos, audio books, all of that. So I don't know about you, but I didn't listen to 6 billion hours of preaching <laughs> over uh -huh. COVID. I did not 
listened to six billion hours of political speeches over COVID or ever. So who do we think holds the most power and the most influence? It has to be the storytellers. And I'm a storyteller. And even I'm sort of uncomfortable with that, Mm. (laughs) that we have that much power to be speaking out into the world that is telling us in subtle and not so subtle ways what to wear, where to shop, what car to buy, where to go on vacation, how to smell, and also what to believe about God, what to believe about sexuality and family and generosity and beauty. That is coming at us at a huge amount of content every single day. And so, look, I'm not down on on the church or on pastors. I'm a licensed minister in my denomination, but I think we've lost the story. We need to be out actually creating more content. Here's what we love to do as, as Christians. We love to just sort of complain about the content. We don't like what's on Netflix. We don't like the smut coming out of Hollywood or New York. But actually just complaining about it amongst ourselves does nothing to impact culture. It doesn't change that in any way. If we don't like the stories, we need to make better stories and more of them. How do we do that? We need to train people to be playwrights and screenwriters and actors uh, and songwriters and poets and dancers and send them out to change culture. Well, that is could You've convinced yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, yeah, I, I think, and a lot of what we do it, in the church is just for the church. Do I think there's importance in that? Absolutely. But let's be clear, no matter what we're doing, we're writing, even if we're writing great content for inside the church, it's just impacting the church. It's not actually impacting the greater culture because I don't know about you, but my friends who are not believers, they're not coming to church. It doesn't matter how sexy the thing is we're doing on stage and the great lights and the smoke machines and the gi- all the stuff. They're not coming. So we have to figure out how to go to them. And a great way to go to them is to create content they're going to view, whether that's theater, whether that's movies, uh, right? Whether that's visual art or music. So I think we just, we need to own that as Christians and say, yeah, I'm not saying we shouldn't do great art in the church, but understand that that's not impacting the greater culture in any way whatsoever. I'm wondering if some of us in the Christian circles kind of recognize the impact that entertainment and storytelling has on people, but somehow we think that preaching or, I don't know, nonfiction book writing We can justify that more easily as a Christian. I feel like I'm doing God's work there. But if I'm an actor on a sitcom, I guess more of a producer or a director, I can see that there's more influence. But is that hard to get around? Or do you see that kind of prioritization? And I guess what I'm hearing you saying is you're sort of countering that prioritization. So tell me if I'm right. Yeah, it's interesting because I think we have also villainized to some degree the arts community as a whole, that it's so secular Yes, I would argue that so is the business world. I worked at a large bank for 13 years. And when I stood around the water cooler, I heard about the affairs that were happening and how at the literally at the end of the conference day, the guys were going to the bar to see the strippers. And I saw lots of debauchery (laughs) 
it just looked prettier because they were wearing three-piece suits. And is, is right. that a secular environment? Absolutely. Should we be sending Christians who are accountants and entrepreneurs and into that world? Absolutely. We don't seem to have a ton of issue with that. But when we say we want to train actors to go to New York or go to Hollywood, we have this uh, deep fear of, yeah, we're sending them into the dark. Yes, we are. It's dark because we took all the light away. So we can't really be that angry at the dark. If we were there, (laughs) if there were more of us there, there would be more light, right? Right. And it's an interesting conversation that I have to have over and over and over with parent parents. Yeah. Right? Parents who are considering their kid is a, wants to be an actor and they, they want to get training. Well, you know, the number one question I get asked is, you know, can my kid buy a house in Calgary? I don't know. Engineers can't buy a house in Calgary. Nobody can. And is that the highest calling you have for your kid? What if their calling from God is to be a storyteller? Isn't that a great thing for them to lean into, to say, I'm going to do what I was put on the planet to do? You know, it's an interesting read of the Bible if you think, I don't know what Bible they're reading, but I haven't actually seen anywhere that it's like, Jesus is like, follow me. You'll be able to buy a house in Calgary. You'll be able to contribute you know, <laughs> regularly to your RSPs. You'll be financially secure. You'll be rich, fat, and happy. Like, he's like, follow me. You're going to get you know, probably go to jail, eaten by a whale. Like, that's the grand adventure of the gospel that we should... You'll, you'll be downwardly mobile. <laughs> right? Like... Yeah. So, and I, I, you know, I understand parents want to protect their kids and all, but man, I want to equip. I'm not sending kids out, you know, willy-nilly into the world. We want to equip. That's the whole idea of like, why don't we get them excellently trained in both their craft and a foundation of what they believe in and send them out into this amazing mission field that the church has basically ignored. The church has done a fantastic job of figuring out what to do with people who are addicted or divorce care or grief share or alpha. Man, we have great programs for that. But we have completely removed ourselves from influencing the influencers What if we could actually influence, again, the actors, the writers, the playwrights, the screenwriters? That would change everything. And yet we've sort of washed our hands of that and said, that's terrifying. And we don't know what to do with artists. They're weird. They have pink hair. They're risky. I I don't know all the things that they're terrified of. And so we've taken our hands off of the wheel, so to speak. And then we're mad at where the car's gone. So tell me then, so someone goes to a, a university and they decide to major in theater. What does that do to them? Where could that possibly lead that is influential or good? Can you tell me a story uh, of somebody or what you're trying to do maybe as a as a theater? I assume you're teaching theater courses there. First of all, to say if there's a, some amazing theater training in Canada that you can get at lots of secular universities... But let's be clear, if you are a person of faith and you want to integrate your faith into that, you will not only not be encouraged to do that at a secular institution, you will probably be punished, actually, for doing that. There is very little tolerance for the Christian worldview in many universities. So I'm not saying you can't go and do that if you have, again, a good core faith foundation. Fantastic. 
But if in any way you're like, I want to explore both of these things, my craft, my faith, I think you need to be in a place that will support that and encourage that. Now, that doesn't mean if you come and train here at Ambrose that you're going to be doing a bunch of Christian plays. We don't produce the Passion Play. You will still have to read the canon of theater that includes controversial work, for sure. What I love is that, I know it's a word that's maybe overused, but man, I see students completely transformed when they come and do the work of self-discovery, Really, acting is, people like to say it's, well, you're just putting on this character. Good actors are not. They're stepping into something. They're bringing their whole selves into into this role. They have to be extraordinarily self-aware, extraordinarily empathetic towards the characters that they're going to be asked to play. They have to have an immense amount of discipline. So, Yeah, over the years that I've been doing this, I have seen our performers go, and many of them do go on to professional work, and they uh, volunteer at their local church and bring the bar up there. But we have graduates that have gone on to work in film and television, to work at my theater company. So selfishly, I I need to train them. Um, Right. And they just, they bring God into the room just by their very presence. Again, we're, we're not necessarily training everyone to be doing Christian, whatever that means, theater, but we want to equip them to go out into the big theater houses and into the dance world and into the music world and just bring God with them and bring that aesthetic. And it's been lovely to see that. I'm so proud of these little students that have gone out and they are changing the world in big and small ways in their little communities and just seeing them flourish in that. And it's just really hard. So to see somebody do something hard is inspiring and rare now. So that's different than some of us when we consume entertainment. We get a lot of advertising to watch, you know, sort of the latest cliche Christian movie sort of thing. So where do we make sense of good quality acting and how do we... I guess some of us don't necessarily have the background to judge that so well. I guess I'm just thinking about, like you said, raising the bar and how that can maybe change things with people. Yeah, I think I'm increasingly discouraged when I see, again, so many, as you said, cliche Christian films out there that I think are not truthful. And that's, again, training actors to tell the truth on stage when I see these films that represent, you know, a woman who every single prayer she prays comes true in exactly the same time. And the, I don't know, that doesn't happen in my prayer life. Like, what God are you praying to that every single prayer gets answered in exactly the way you prayed it? The vending machine the God. The vending machine God. I'm like, I don't know, is that authentic? And again, if a non-Christian comes and sees that, what? how are we portraying God How about we tell the stories where the marriage falls apart, you really try to fix it, and it still is not fixable. How do I now go forward as a woman of faith, divorced, or when the person still dies, or the right? I think that's the reality of most of our lives, and how do we integrate God into that? We have the best stories, and we're not telling them well, so no one is listening. 
And that comes into both the storytelling and to the performance and production side of things. So yes, I think the bar can be a bit low sometimes in the Christian art world of like, you know, well, God will bless this mess. (laughs) And sometimes he does. Or, you know, it's like, we're just doing it for God sort of thing. We should actually be the most trained, the most skilled And we are connected actually directly to a creator. So we should have the best ideas, but we can't just count on, even if this is my calling and I have some innate ability to do this, every single play, you still rehearse 125 hours on average to get that thing in front of an audience. You don't just sort of wing it. We need to have, if we want to work again in in the secular world where the bar can be high, we got to raise up that. We got to train for that. And it's a privilege to do that, to be invited into that world. I want to train students who will go and maybe, and we have students that are also working at churches in creative ways as creative pastors, and I love that. But I also want to train people to go into the world, to go work at Theatre Calgary and go work for Alberta Ballet and bring that light to it be a different point of view in the world. Make the change there. We can't continue to sort of huddle together and then be angry about the art world. <laughs> we don't like the stories. Right. So when I was looking at your at the webpage for your, so you, you've got your, your hat that you wear at uh, Ambrose University and you also have uh, Fire Exit Theater. So mm-hmm. I was looking at the Fire Exit Theater webpage and it says our mandate is hope, challenge and change through theater we are challenging our artists and patrons beliefs while telling stories of transformation and redemption so i think when i hear you talking about excellence in production quality and telling the truth in acting and how that can change people or help people to grow that makes really good sense to me i wonder if you have some examples or things that come to mind when you think about those ideas of changing people through storytelling Do you have some responses where you feel like people have been changed or talk to you about the impact that a theater production that you've been involved in has impacted them or something like that? Yeah, I probably about 10 years ago, I made a deal with God. I don't recommend it. He'll always win. But anyway, (laughs) him and I had a conversation and I said, look, this is exhausting doing this, uh, just running a little company and and that it has survived this long is a miracle. But I said, look, I need you to tell me every single show why we did this show. And he has provided that every single show we do at some point, there's a moment Maybe it's in the lobby with a patron. Maybe it's in the green room with an actor. Maybe it's in the rehearsal hall with a technician that something is said. And I go, oh, oh, that's why we're doing this show. And it may have nothing to do with the actual content of the show. Um, We have a very broad base of artists that we work with. Some are Christian. Some are not. Some are somewhere on the journey. We just say everyone's welcome. And so we've worked with a whole level of people who all have reasons, uh, which I love to hear, of why they hate church and why they don't believe in God. And great, I'd love to hear that story. But there's something about the community that we try to create in the storytelling process. I want people to at least consider. I'm not doing an altar call (laughs) at the end of every play. I'm really happy if 
an artist that we work with or an audience member even just stops for a minute and goes, hmm, I'd never considered that. I'd never considered the idea of a personal God or a good God or that there might be some creator in the in the midst of this chaos. You know, and I'm also equally interested, again, in, in challenging not just non-believers' beliefs, but even some of our Christians' beliefs of why do we believe that? Where did that come from? Whatever that is. You know, something as simple as, well, not simple, of we like to throw around the phrase pro-life. What what does that actually mean? So, you know, we like to use it in regards to the abortion discussion. What about medical assistance in dying? What about the death penalty? I want to challenge our response to some of those things. And so, yeah, that hope challenge change has been my guiding light through all of it, through every script I choose, the people I want to work with. We will talk about the dark, but we will not leave you there. There will always be hope, because I know how the story ends, the big story. But we will challenge you, we will poke at you to change you. So I'm I'm not overly interested that you're always entertained. That's a part of what we do, is we want to do the craft well to entertain you, but I want you to laugh and cry and be mad because that will crack you open and make you think and will allow me to get something inside of you. So I hope people will always leave having a great conversation. Here's the difference that I see that when I go to church and I go after church and in the lobby, I mostly hear people talking about whether or not they should go to Denny's or Perkins for lunch. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. But when I go into the lobby of my theater after a show or at the intermission, people are like, oh my gosh, did you just see that? And what, what do you think is going to happen? And I don't know if I agree with that. Like this like amazing conversation that has stirred up and that's a success. You're obviously talking about changing the way that people think and understand things. Why does somebody acting out a fictional story on the stage have more of an impact than someone giving me a sermon where they explained everything in a very logical way. Right. Great question. Why? <laughs> it's the way we're built, right? There's something about art that connects us and our memory together. Again, I can, I go out to go recruiting for students, and I'll go into a Christian or, or a Catholic high school on a like a Wednesday and say, hey, who went to church on the weekend? Everybody raise their hand. Great. Tell me what the sermon was about. Uh, I might get two people who might remember some of it. But if then I start to ask them, like, what do you know about like Star Wars, the first one, before you were born? They can all tell me. They can all tell me what a Wookiee is, who Princess Leia is, like... I have people that come up to me, you know, 10 years after I did a, you know, probably a bad church skit and they remember it. We remember when something has touched us emotionally and whether that's good Mm. or bad. But I, you know, I go back to like, I don't know, Jesus, (laughs) who was hypothetically the best preacher ever. And we don't have books and books and books in the Bible of his, of his sort of didactic preaching. Do this, don't do this. We don't have that. We have all of these examples of him saying, hey, there was a man, he had two sons. There was a virgin. There was a woman with a penny. <laughs> right? Did any of those things exist? Like, was there actually really a man with two sons and 
Probably not. He made that up. It's a story, and it holds the greatest truth, and we remember it. So the greatest preacher of all time, Matthew says, he spoke almost entirely in parables. Story. Hmm. And yet, in the again, the modern-day Protestant church, we speak entirely almost in didactic teaching, which there's a point, a reason for that of uh, sometimes. I'm a professor, I understand. But let's be real. Nobody remembers what the pastor said three days later. And yet we remember that movie we saw when we were eight. <laughs> so how do we put those, right? Like 80, 75 to 80% of the Bible is story, is poetry, is song, is metaphor. 20 to 25% is actually, again, the do this, don't do that. And yet every Protestant church sort of does the opposite of that now, where the majority of their service is, let me preach at you, as opposed to, let's look at this beautiful piece of art. Let's watch a short film. Let's look at beautiful visual art. Let's listen to this play. That's going to stay with people. I don't know what that is, this sort of weird, is it an arrogance or is something of that we feel like we need to stand up and drill home, here's the thing, sort of teaching. Nobody remembers it. Like, even the best speakers, we don't remember what they said a week later, hmm. right? So why would we not integrate stories? I'm thinking as a university, as a part-time university instructor, right? How do I communicate things to my students in ways that they will actually remember? And yeah, if you can act it out or <laughs> create a role play or dramatize it in some way, it sticks a lot better, right? Yeah, I, I don't understand why, you know, again, we're not using Jesus as the role model who just stood up and told great parables why we feel like we have to have, you know, 12 points and 16 PowerPoint slides to drill home this thing. I remember so vividly sitting in the theater. And to be clear, I was raised in a very conservative home and was not allowed to go to movies. But I snuck out and went and saw Star Wars, the first one with a friend of mine. I was like 10 years old. Like that is drilled into my memory. I cannot tell you what the first sermon I heard is, right? Or it, most sermons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And again, I think, you know, I'm I'm also interested in, in the Christians who are so, of, they're offended. They're offended by art, <laughs> theater or film in particular. particular. I still, uh, every once in a while at, at Fire Exit, Again, to be clear, I don't call ourselves a Christian theater company because I don't right, I don't know yeah. what that is. I, I'm I'm a Christian, I have a worldview. Many of the people I work with and all of my board hold that worldview, but everybody's welcome to come. But I get emails still every once in a while of like, oh, you know, I don't like that you said damn on stage. I'm like, oh, okay. I was offended by that. That's all right. Like, let's talk. You should be offended when you see sin. Let's talk about that. But I try to say, you know, do you know what Jesus was offended by? The number one thing that Jesus talks about more than heaven or hell or salvation is money. He was really offended by greedy people. But I've never gotten an email saying, how dare you portray a greedy person on stage? That was really offensive. It's like, <laughs> wow, why are you 
so offended by you can you can say I don't like that word or I don't like this I don't use that word or that great but like nobody writes letters about a Christmas carol because it portrays a greedy person <laughs> right so I'm trying to educate people of how do we portray authentic stories on stage again tell the truth without being gratuitous I'm not saying we're all about sex and violence and bad words you know, how do we navigate being able to talk about the dark things to show the light? If I water down the dark, it waters down the light of the story I'm trying to tell. Of And I don't know if you've read the Bible lately, but it is full of gratuitous violence. And I don't know, nobody ever preaches about the hill of foreskins. Never hear that, right? <laughs> we, yeah. we don't, it's, there's incest and there's, brutality why why is it in there so maybe part of what theater can do for us is also help us to deal with risky or or challenging or stuff that leaves us stumped and uncertain to kind of explore that together absolutely yeah and that's where i'm again trying to educate my audience a bit of like it's okay for you to be uncomfortable with whatever this thing is but what's your response to that uncomfortableness? Is it just to write me a letter and say, you're not a Christian or, you know, or how do we engage with art that is challenging? Yeah, I th- because I think we miss out when we just sort of say, well, we're just going to watch Christian movies and we're just going to go to the passion play, which is yeah. also full of gratuitous violence, to be clear. We nail a man to the cross. <laughs> I wonder if um, part of it is about building a trust relationship I suspect that you at Fire Exit have built trust with your regular attendees so that they know they can go and they're not going to have gratuitous stuff thrown in their face, but they're going to maybe have thought-provoking stuff. So I wonder if trust is, is one of the key things that needs to be built between performers and audiences. And maybe part of the reason that people are suspicious or doubtful or hesitant about encouraging us to work in that sector is because the trust has broken down because of things that others have done in that space. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah. And I think I have had over, because I've had a long time, I've had 20 years to build my audience. And again, I've lost some and gained some, and there have been some who have stayed with me the whole time and, and have engaged with me at this conversation of saying, Hey, this is uncomfortable. Let's talk about it. And I don't want to downplay your feelings or negate them, but how do how do we tell a story about redemption if we don't have anything to be redeemed from? How do we understand that Christ died a horrible death for a wretch like me? I'm a wretch. I'm not just like, oh, I'm jealous of sometimes I swear sometimes, you know, like I'm a wretch. <laughs> How do we, how do we do that? And so you have to be able to, yes, engage with your audience, make them feel that things have been chosen really carefully. And I'm not going to do it right every time for sure. And that's not to say every show we do is, is suitable for everyone. We're not safe and fun for the whole family. Sometimes we're not doing children's theater. So, uh, but certainly there's lots that lots of people could come and consume and, but I want, yeah, I want our audience to trust me as the programmer, as the curator of this. And I think they do, lots of them. And I also, yeah, I want them to feel like, hmm, 
why do I feel this way? Why am I uncomfortable talking about abortion or talking about sexuality or because the world is having these conversations. So we might want to also engage in these conversations in a thoughtful way and better educate ourselves and better be able to empathize with others who are also struggling with this, which I think that's something that theater can do really well is to help you empathize, Hmm. to see an other and say, wow, I'm never going to have that life. I'm probably never going to be a prostitute. I'm probably never going to be an addict, but man, to hear this story, I don't have to agree with it all, but to go, that is humanity. That is a part of humanity I think of Jesus coming down to earth, like think about the ultimate um, actor that he came down from the most holy place, the perfect place uh, in perfect form. And he came down and put skin on. He pulled on this character and this body that stank and bled and sweat and he saw the worst of humanity how offended must he have been (laughs) the entire time he was here and yet he did that so that he could empathize with his creation and say i understand i felt that too i have felt sad i have felt angry i have felt betrayed and that's what great actors do well is they pull on this character who is so different from them sometimes to bring humanity to the prostitute, to the addict, to even the villain sometimes of this is still God's child who's broken, who's messed up, who's lost their way, who's far from God, still God's child. How do we love them without judgment? So I think great actors can do that. Well, well I just want to say thanks. This has been excellent food for thought. Thank you for your work in training people to become better storytellers and hopefully use that training in the kind of redemptive way that you're describing for us. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and for us to have this conversation. Absolutely. I'm, I don't know if you can tell. I'm super passionate about, about, about this. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I was holding it in. Uh, but yes, I, I love this conversation and we'll continue to have it with whoever will listen. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.